Good evening. This evening's Dharma talk is titled Interrupting Confusion. The idea here and for that particular topic or subject matter is to uh, address the idea of confusion, uh, what we call confusion, how we work with confusion. And so quite often what we end up doing in our lives is in our mind or, or in our life, in our family, in our neighborhood, workplace, and so on. And we interrupt it, which may give us some temporary relief from the confusion. Uh, you can interrupt it with uh, passion, like accusing, blaming. Uh, it seems to settle something in a, uh, in a, for a short term. At least, well, at least we know why it's caused. Or the confusion that was seems to be created in our mind could also be uh, backed off or temporary, uh, halted, slowed down, or mitigated with some kind of blame or some kind of explanation. Well, it's, this is happening because of that and that. And so this buys into, perpetuates, and enforces, you can say, even nurtures the self-centered to living life, which is narcissism. Uh, this can show up in a negative way. Someone that's very uh, aggressive and and uh, and selfish and manipulative, and quite often there we see examples of that all over the place. Not only in in our families, in our siblings, even, uh, but also in all over the so-called spectrum. So interrupting that, stopping that, shutting down on it, ignoring it, is one of the ways of doing that. And the way that is being recommended here is rather than interrupt something based on how you feel about it. In other words, trying to stop something based on your reaction to it, rather than actually seeing what it is. Uh, what you are calling confusion just may be just be the operation of dependent origination, pratitya samutpada, the traditional teaching of the Buddha, which addresses the idea of oneness, separation, independence. Um, even community, all of that. So not to say that you shouldn't look at the confusion, but before you intercede, before you enter into that based on your uh, hope and fear, your passion, aggression, and ignorance, or turning away, or grasping, or opinions and ideas. Uh, opinions and ideas have they work, but fundamentally they, they come, they short circuit or come to a uh, uh, a conclusion based on uh, tension, based on fear, based on hope for something better, based on impulse. Uh, we perceive something and we have an impulse about it instead of just a perception. Practice of meditation, the way it is being taught from this direction, is for you to see what is arising, see what is falling away, see what is seems to be maintaining a singular position. And do nothing with it insofar as you can. And if you spontaneously start to do something with the confusion by you, you could say impulsively try to shut it down or impulsively try to blame, then you can back up an eighth of an inch as the metaphor goes or inch and a half. You can give an inch. You can give an inch and you can look at what that is. I take another look at that and see if you can't see more clearly what it fundamentally is. Very difficult because we seem to get, get trapped or entrained by the emotional uh, uh, fumes that arise off from that confusion and make it more and more difficult for us to just feel okay. We're, we're being bombarded by all this negativity in the form of any one of the sense fields shows up as negativity 
in much different ways, different kinds of energy. But quite often, like when we say, well, that situation stinks, there's no particularly fragrance to it that is uh, negative, but it's just using an, one sense field to describe what's happening in another sense field. It's wrong, shouldn't be happening. So it's not exactly about not interrupting it. Rather, it is interrupting it in a way that first has a lot of respect for the qualities that may be arising there. And the qualities that may be arising there may need to be seen first before there's some kind of activity that you could call interrupting or you could call acting on it. Or um, The way I talk about this is to see what it is. And if you uh, can see what it is, then there is a good possibility that you will also see the way, the area, the space, the, the context within which this situation may be open to some kind of a change or open to some kind of a movement uh, that is, that whose motivation is to make things better, make things less painful for oneself and others, or more, less difficult, less confusing. But to go into that just based on presumption or just on the, the grasping at the projection, grasping at the perception, coming to a conclusion based on uh, impatience, based on just not being able to hold your seat. So the idea here is uh, the, the mind training, the sitting down and observing the, how untrained the mind is. This is what happens when you first begin to meditate. All kinds of um, things want to come out of the uh, zoo or the insane asylum. All kinds of things want to come in and take charge, take over, convince you, little tiny propaganda, little little post-it notes that should do, shouldn't do that, but are not patterns that arise out of, we're not sure of exactly the source of that. Don't really need to know the, know the source particularly, not yet anyway, but you could look right at the surface of the confusion, which is even more confusing because the self-centered mind, the ego mind, the rational mind, the... The let's get ahead, let's get ahead of the game idea mind uh, wants to go down into it, like kind of like a detective trying to find who's bad, who who actually did this, who's the cause, what happens when they when they find to the, the that part of the cause that is not the entire cause, that part of the cause that is the easiest to pin the tail on the donkey, the easiest to actually say there's the culprit, that's the one because of this we he she they did this did that. But nobody's looking at all the other causes and conditions that are somewhat because of causes and conditions. The nature of that are taking a uh, they're 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 not in the in the front aisle. They're three seats back, or they're the back row, or in the loges smoking cigarettes. The, the, those those things are not looked at. Sitting practice of meditation allows you actually opens up the dynamic, which is uh, that aspect of the a mind, which is curious, inquisitive, and has a nature of uh, beginning to understand something deeply without the credential of uh, information, information, information. Information is always relative. Relative uh, um, particle scientists and so on uh, have a heck of a time when they get into areas that depend on relative understanding and they discover something they don't have words for. So they become poets. You're welcome to ask questions at any point. Uh, I'm also able to continue to say various things about interruption and about confusion, but perhaps some questions would be good if you have them. 
Shoka has a question. Shoka. He asks, what is just the perception of a thought or feeling? So if you have just a perception and there isn't any particularly any addition or very little addition other than knowing that it showed up, uh, some kind of a uh, primary acknowledgement, uh, the direct perception is, is just that. It's just whatever it is without anything else. And it may displace itself. Something else may displace it. Something else may come along and show up in its place. We may have a memory of what that was or not. It, it, it can show up so many different ways. If you have if it's a particular, uh, something particular you're talking about that I could respond to. While he's thinking about that, Gene Shu has a question. When we take a step back and take another look, have we already missed it? No, but that uh, that's likely to be the kind of uh, commentary coming out of the self-centered mind of the ego that does not want you to see anything. It wants you to see what it wants you to see. And when I say it, I'm separating that out so you can see it is an aspect of dependent origination that shows up as a self. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just it tries to co uh, collect and connect with things. That's how things grow. You can't, without collecting and connecting, you can't have nutrition go from the dirt uh, up into the branches and nourish the tree. Just a simple explanation. What happens in human beings, because of the nature of the intelligence of human beings, there, there is more what we might call free will. I don't know if it's actually free will, but it looks like we get to do more than other living beings do, including animals and so on. But everything that is in motion is uh, alive. Even uh, volcanoes have a life, a kind of life that might not be like ours, but it is still on the move. So that too, was it Junchu? So that too, Junchu, would be something you would just observe because you would get, when I say because, I'm saying because by observing it, you maybe not at first, by watching what moves, you, you don't know, you just know it's movement. Now, and you feel like there's some sense of phenomena or some concept or idea or collection or, or consumption or or uh, or confusion that is happening there and if you just observe it if you don't go in too far you don't you don't abandon it so um, and passion aggression and ignorance plays a different role in that with its energy and it based on hoping for to find something hoping to finally find out what this is or fearing that it's just going to be another mistake or another difficulty so this is why it's so important to train ourselves to, to be, uh, you could say, rather stoic about it. Sit down, hold still, just observe, just receive what happens, you know, movement, whether it's your diaphragm, whether it's your heart beating, whether it's your breath off the end of your nose, just that feeling, thoughts arising. The way I teach it is if you want to spend a whole hour watching the breath, you can do that. If you want to spend time uh, watching your thoughts, you can do that. What I recommend but I, let's put it this way. What I don't recommend is trying to modify that. Other than if you're going to modify it, use the body. Don't necessarily, what I'm saying is, based on my understanding, don't go in necessarily in and try to do something with the mind to make it more aware. Very sneaky. Ego's very sneaky. It'll, it'll, it's going gonna, it's gonna to somehow squeeze a credential out of that somewhere where it gets to be the one who's awake. Unless, go ahead. Um, she has a follow-up question. Okay. When I spontaneously interrupt someone or something, it's usually followed by a feeling of disappointment in myself. 
Do I have to see or understand the disappointment before I can understand the interruption? Very difficult to see the difference between spontaneity and impulsiveness. So there could be a little of each happening. And I would say, don't control it. Just be aware of it. Have a willingness to be impulsive forever. Have a willingness to be spontaneous and genuine and true for 10 seconds and have it never happen again. Never get a confirmation again that you're making any progress at all. Because it's the self-centeredness that wants the progress. Wisdom mind doesn't doesn't really give a damn about progress because it doesn't, it's not even a it's not even something that applies. It sits back and chuckles at that. You can't get ahead of something that is you can't fall behind of something that is what? Unreal. I don't care how confusing it is. More. A question from Wendy in Traverse City. Is dependent origination cause? Is it cause? Well, it shows up as cause and effect. And you can't really find first cause. It might be something that would look like that. There might be some way to look at that, but I not particularly not particularly help particularly helpful because then we want to return to that for some kind of a fundamental understanding of everything. It's like trying to find God. It's like the question, is there a God? That's probably the biggest scam that ego ever came up with. Is there a creator? <laughs> yes and no. Or no. Or well, obviously there is. I can defend any one of those points. I mean, I can, when I say defend it, I'm not saying it would, I would prove it necessarily, but I can defend it and I can defend it emotionally, which is uh, quite often what people are looking for. So yes, causes and conditions, uh, this causes that, causes that. It's just that you can't find the first one. I sometimes say, um, this is a sound. I caused the sound by moving this, Kotsu through the air, striking my palm. But fundamentally, Kotsu, uh, I didn't make the hand. I didn't make the palm. Um, I didn't make the sound. But how, where did that come from? Dependent origination. This, some, just going back just a, uh, a few years, two people got together and produced this person as a child. And this, this somehow the neighbors allowed this child to live. And here we are. So we don't look away from causes and conditions. We might look at them very, very carefully, precisely, but we don't necessarily abandon what we're looking at for something else, for something about that, because that's that's the gaining idea that is uh, totally disrespecting boundaries and wants its own boundaries that promote its own little uh, self-centeredness, self-absorption, me, 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 and my stuff, yes. Shoka has a follow-up question. Shoka. Can just the perception of a thought or feeling look complicated? Yes. That might be what you see, just that you're perceiving it just a confusion or complication or just too many rough edges, too many deep tunnels and culverts and crevices and dark tunnels that are have an apparent quality to them of going somewhere, but you don't, you don't have the kind of light bulb it takes to go in that one. So what do you do? Look at the entrance. Look, look, look at the entrance. Look at the cover of a book a lot. I'm saying that both literally and metaphorically. You can only know a book by its cover. So must be some questions somewhere. Is dependent? Can you elaborate more about spontaneity? And Chiso says, can you elaborate more about spontaneity and impulsiveness? Okay. So basically, the elaboration could be 
I could probably go on and on. I could give a talk about it. But the basic uh, elaboration that I would make is spontaneity is coming out of a genuine presence. A gen you're genuinely here. You're, you're not anywhere else. You're not in your hope. You're not in your fear. You're not in your happiness. You're not in your sadness. There's nothing particular occurring. You're just genuinely present. And then if any kind of action that shows up there will probably be engendered by, or you could say, even say triggered by something else that happens, something over there that happens or something that comes your way or a noise or someone asking you something, then you would respond to that. You know, you would genuinely uh, respond and that would be spontaneous. It would be spontaneous. There'd be no thought leading up to it. Or if I say this, what will they think? Or if I say this, will it sound right? Or am I right about this? Or am I, whereas, um, it's uh, be, being spontaneous, you would have no no idea of how it was going to sound, and you wouldn't particularly care because you're. What do you care about? Being genuine, being being a uh, uh, samyak, is which is complete Sanskrit for just thorough, complete, not right, not wrong. Particularly, at least that's my understanding of it. And whereas uh, impulsiveness is a is impulse, there's a perception of something, and then there's the impulse to join it, uh, to run away from it, to avoid it, to think up things about it, to add on to it, to explain it to someone else, to explain it to ourselves. Well, that's just happening because of this, and then this, and then he, he said that. If he hadn't said that, then this wouldn't be. That's impulsiveness, jumping into, into an explanation just because you can do it. The ego mind... I can do anything. I gave you a demonstration earlier today. I don't know which, when it was, or, but I think it was at a book study where I just went into a bunch of jargon. And uh, the only reason I can even do that is not because I'm, I don't even have any idea what I said, but I know how concepts work and they work to, to subvert reality into the, the, the contraptions of ego called spiritual materialism. Harder questions are the, the best questions that put me on the spot. Yeah. See if you can get me to say, I don't know. That's a good one. Or see if you can get me to say, uh, you got me there, man. That'd be a good one. Junchu has a question. She got me there, man. Oh, yeah, let me ask a question. She asks, what is the difference between returning to the original inspiration and returning to the original cause? Oh, it could be very, could be similar. The original inspiration to practice might be Life sucks. I don't know what to do. The psychiatrist doesn't work. The, the pills don't work. G getting drink, uh, getting uh, drunk or loaded uh, three or four days a week, that doesn't work. That's so there's, and, and the cause situation is uh, I'm going to meditate because life sucks or life suffering. And then you hear the words of the Buddha and you say, some of that really lines up. Maybe I should look more closely into this. And then you might, if there's one available, which there have, was not when I was looking around for how to, get some kind of training. As you know, I opted for the Marine Corps. It's the only thing I could find that would train my mind or uh, get me to be disciplined. Of course, it didn't work. But. So I would say I would say all of that's showing up in different people in different ways. And when I say return to the original inspiration, it's just a, you know, I sometimes say that uh, people are married people. I'm not a marriage counselor particularly, but sometimes people talk to me about that. And if there's an open an openness to it, I might say, just find out what originally brought you together, because that's where that, that's the original uh, connection you have. And same thing with the Bodhisattva vow. You receive Bodhisattva vow and you get all 
frustrated and difficult about it, go back to that vow, read it, read the vow, and then feel what that what is that 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 causes brings about here cause and effect brings about that that wish the wish to save all beings the wish to just be clear this is what's called uh, relative bodhicitta absolute bodhicitta is a little different kozan has a question yes i've heard you say that if you perceive directly you won't know what you're looking at how can you pound in a nail if you don't know if you're looking at a hammer or a wrench You'll know. Don't try to trick me. You're not a carpenter. Your dad is. That's a pretty good one, actually. Kiyun has a question. Kiyun. He asks, is anything perceived only judging a book by its cover? So when I say, I don't necessarily mean to judge it. I say, look at the cover of the book. And then various things may arise. And just observe those. So you could start with the cover. Uh, Quite often, the cover of the book, the very expression on the cover will tell you whether you need to open it up or not. Like cutting through spiritual materialism. So reflect on materialism, spiritual materialism, cutting through that. Pretty powerful title. So I would say it, it, it's possible something could happen that way, but it's, it's more likely that you won't really know what you're looking at. And, and that not knowing... Uh, it's not that particular not knowing, but that is that is the beginning of a wisdom mind, which gives everything its attention and doesn't produce much, produces very little, but it just receives a lot. You're talking, interrupting confusion. Mm -hmm. If wisdom and confusion are not separate, is it possible to interrupt wisdom? Yeah, we're doing it all the time. It's called ego. We're inter we're, every time you have a... Every time you have a positive, negative, or neutral, or you're grasping or rejecting, or anytime you're doing anything, you're interrupting wisdom. You're covering up your Buddha nature. So, yes. I was waiting for that question. Is there some... I was getting very impatient. <laughs> Go ahead. Is there some hint that we can identify, maybe, that shows we're interrupting the wisdom that's coming forth? I think what... Uh, shows up after a while, we kind of get worn out. Well, along with the sitting practice of meditation, we begin to get worn out of trying to approach this in a way that it just it just doesn't work. It just wears you out. Trying to get better, trying to control your mind, trying to stop the ego from its craziness. We begin with, so once we get the ego into view, then we have to deal with how it functions, and then we have to deal with seeing that. Because it is not real, you cannot stop it because it has no uh, status. It's a, an illusion. And eventually you see that it's not real and it has been discovered. And it, it no, its shenanigans no longer work. That doesn't mean they don't show up. They will keep looking for some little shred of evidence that you're still looking for something else. You're still, there's something you want. You're just hiding out there because you're, just because your lips aren't moving doesn't mean that somebody can't see what you're up to. I would make a terrible ventriloquist. <laughs> I'd have to be the dummy. <laughs> so seeing it, seeing it could show up differently for, for different people. Uh, Robert from Kalamazoo has a question. Roberto. He asks, when you said that absolute bodhicitta is different from relative bodhicitta or a little different, what did you mean by absolute bodhicitta? 
So there's various teachings, Atisha, Seven Points of Mind Training, and other teachers, including the Vidyadara, and different teachers down through the centuries, talk about the mind or Bodhi, uh, mind of uh, Chitta, mind, uh, mind of awakening. And so their relative aspect is, is more um, uh, coming up with relative ways of working with our confusion. And so uh, uh, Atisha, Seven Points of Mind Training, and it works with relativity. One of the uh, slogans, and I remember a few of them, um, and one of them is, uh, of the two, keep the principal witness. So of the two, me and them guys, or you and your teacher, or you and your student, or you and your mother, your dad, your brother, your dog, your cat, the world, of the two, uh, of the duality, keep the principal witness, because this is the one that's going to attain liberation, not that. You might have to keep the original witness long enough to see that the original witness is actually not the witness, it's your self-centered uh, starving for attention, starving for success. But that needs to come into, into consciousness, painful as that may be. So that's why that uh, works. It also works uh, if you're listening to anyone else that seems to be confused. Of the two, keep the principal witness. You're probably going to protect yourself so you'll be able to uh, get some food, get back to the cushion. He's speaking to practitioners. He's not speaking to uh, people that work at uh, farm supply. And then absolute bodhicitta is, is uh, without any separation to it. So it's the teachings around that are, are still relative, but they, they imply something that's beyond our grasp of this and that, like um, uh, be a child of illusion, uh, remain, remain in some kind of in innocence about this uh, illusory world that we're in. And there's a few other ones that fall in that category. Uh, Atisha's broken that up into slogans, seven categories of 59 slogans into the absolute slogans and the relative slogans. And, and I don't understand. I read it and I'm not sure. I would like to talk to Atisha a little bit or Jamgun Control, who seemed to have uh, four handles on the same thing. Go ahead, please. Senshu has a question. Senshu has a question. Okay, go ahead. Can you please describe what interrupts confusion again? Thank you. So... The confusion is there, and what interrupts that is the ego or the the, the self-centeredness, the narcissism of the mind that thinks there's a possibility of stopping that, the possibility of explaining that or saying why that's happening or blaming somebody or something or some situation or some anything from your culture right up to your grandmother um, or your, or your uh, meditation teacher or another uh, Dharma uh, sibling could be anything, excuse me. So what's being taught, at least <laughs> endeavoring to teach, is to look at the confusion rather than opt for the easiest way out. To get out of the confusion is to soften the confusion through uh, some kind of arbitration or some kind of uh, elucidation or examination or prevarication, all the other Asians, vacations, uh, holidays. That's a good one. I'll take a holiday from confusion. Look at the confusion. A holiday from confusion is an artificial hole that's in it called a, what, a time span, a space span, uh, that you, you just allow that to stay open and you kind of leave it open so you can, things get too tough, you can jump into that. Not that you couldn't. Everybody needs a sauna. Everybody needs a vacation somehow. But like that, uh, no, what was it? Uh, it was on Crystal Gondru's uh, talk, uh, 
when Crystal uh, talked about His Holiness Dalai Dalai Lama taking a break. Somebody said that there's a picture back in the 70s of Dalai Lama holding a Coke, I think it was. Or maybe the Coke was on the, somebody set the Coke on the the shrine behind him or something. But uh, uh, the the reportage was, uh, here's the Dalai Lama taking a break. And uh, somebody, she she said it was a, a Vajra, uh, master or someone uh, it was actually Trungpa that said this I don't think she just didn't want to say his name perhaps or perhaps not maybe she did uh, misunderstand or I could have it wrong maybe uh, 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 you know I don't know Kondro Rinpoche or somebody who knows but the point is uh, what he said uh, what she was quoting that person as saying uh, Crystal Gondrud was saying uh, uh, how, how did that come out how did she phrase that he never takes it right yeah so yeah he can't just take any breaks. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like me taking a break. So uh, I can't take a break, except the kind of break that I would take would be much more self-centered. And he would just take a break to get paid for that commercial. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Shoto has a question. Yes, sir. Shoto. Does looking for something else wear out? It does. It wears out. And it's when it does wear out, you might not recognize it because you're still looking for something else. It could wear out now. Uh, Sokaran has a question. Sokaran. You say everywhere you look, you see the Buddha. Do you also see ego everywhere you look? Yes, I sure do. All over the place. And there's ego is here. Ego is there. Ego is here. Ego, self-centeredness, self, uh, no. The self that is appropriating things and refusing things and grasping and rejecting. Yes, that's, but that's also not separate from Buddha nature. Everything is completely awake, but aspects of it are covering covering up. Like I say, human beings, uh, everyone is fundamentally awake. They are just covered up with grasping at causes and conditions, which is uh, which is the downside of the of the you could say the spirit or Buddha nature being downloaded to use a contemporary parlance downloaded into a um, um, this biological situation of being a living being human being. Laura from Traverse City has Laura. a question. Mm-hmm. She asks regarding perception only: Is there a perceiver, me, and am I being perceived? So there is perception. When you say, am I being perceived? Then what shows up as me or my or I, or I, you know, there's some perception going on. We perceive that there's someone here. I'm sitting here and I'm endeavoring to give a, a talk on the Dharma as it's understood here. And so there's some relative thing that we're not trying to get rid of the relative truth of uh, this and that inside, outside. We're just trying to see that one does not uh, hesitate to use this word, but I will anyway. One does not trump the other one. It doesn't mean that good is really good and evil is really bad. We should get rid of evil. We should be aware of those dynamics, aware of the dynamics of me and me and you and plus and minus up and down, back and forth. Life and death is the ultimate one. That's the one that's most frightening because of our identification with our, 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 our identification with the body mind complex as being this is me. No, this is, that's like being inside of a, of a uh, Volkswagen. And reaching out the window, slapping inside of the car. This is me. This is me. And this goes down. I'm gone. I mean, it's too silly or too literal a, a metaphor, but there's something about that that seems to seems to be workable. It seems to work in a very relative way, unless you grasp at it, and then it's poof. Everything just disintegrates. 
anyone doing any kind of deep consciousness work, which uh, we do some of that in our in our in the monastery, going into into the intermediate intermediate state directly, you can't do that if you're if you have beliefs, disbeliefs, or ignorance in the way, because you those doors don't open, and if they do, they're fraught with the very confusion that opened them, passion, aggression, ignorance. But if you go in with without any uh, without any without any combination locks, it's how do you do that? It's available right here. Always. Mm-hmm. Kevin from uh, New York has a question. Yes. When we truly realize ego isn't real, then what is it that keeps egging us on once the spell has been broken? Well, if, if, it, if, if one truly sees that there is no self in the skandhas, that there is no being, there's just perception only, then uh, the only th- there there are no eggs left. I mean, there's there's this isn't anything, except if you received a vow. Now, I'm not saying you had to would have to do that formally, but if your if your understanding is you may be fine, you're liberated, you're this body mind complex. But then you see that the intense suffering that the world is going through. This is why when you need a why, it's why the Bodhisattva vow to be with all things. Very simple statement. Save all beings is a little bit more. Um, the personification is stronger there, and you may need that. But just being with all things, whatever arises, don't object, don't agree, don't look away. That's to be with all things. You're 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 finally really going to stop separating yourself from your world. You're going to you're just not going to do that anymore. At the same time, because of your understanding, you are able to uh, move mountains. I mean that literally, um, pictorially, fundamentally. And because you're probably a mountain yourself. I don't know if you're a mountain or not. We'll see. Might be a train track. Anything further? Uh, not at the moment. So we have about 10 minutes. Uh, any more questions on um, interrupting? So interrupting is a, could be uh, coming from any direction. Anything that seems some untoward activity that's coming into in the way of your agenda about something is interrupting something. So to observe when that happens uh, is to really make use of apparent distraction, something that ego would would take as being, oh, this this should be, I should, why is this happening to me again? Here I go again. Can't seem to get this, stop this, start that, move this. So we we get off in a in a huff or in a tizzy about something that is dependently risen, and we tend to take it personally. So it is about observing that, and you could even say. To some extent, because you're observing it, you are interrupting the knee-jerk reaction of ego to stop it or start it or explain it or justify it or blame someone. So there's a little bit of interruption. When you go sit down and you look at your watch or your clock or your smartphone, a quarter to seven, I need to get over and sit. So you're interrupting the normal uh, transition of the body-mind complex known as uh, some guy. Uh Going from here to there and getting that, stopping this, loading up on this and getting rid of that, all of the things that are happening. Not wrong. They're just relative things we need to do. We need to uh, chop wood, carry water, as it said in the, in the text. But uh, at the same time, getting over to the wall, sitting down, holding still, you're actually, what you're interrupting there is you're interrupting one thing and you're opening up uh, the a view of something that's normally covered. The discursive mind is normally covered up because the causes and conditions that are that are uh, that are uh, 
that are jumping out of that into your relative world manifest as otherness and as something that needs to be stopped, something that needs to be uh, supported, something that needs to be ignored, to put it simply, and all the nuance in between that. And we, we call it a life. We call it a, a living being. And uh, as it said in the, in the text, when the, when the five skandhas form feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, when, when the five skandhas enter the six realms of the heaven realm, the jealous god realm, the human realm, the animal realm, the pradaloka, and uh, hell realm. It's called a living being because they're looking for something else. We're going through these states of success and failure, torture and greed and passion and curiosity, five skandhas. And then when that's seen through, then my, the, fu the functioning might still be going on because there's still a, a physical presence here with, that has consciousness, but there's no agenda about it particularly other than if the vow has been received and that's what is... Uh, functioning in one's life is to save all beings, which means don't meddle with them and also don't abandon them or ignore them. Sheldon has a question. Sheldon? Sheldon? That Sheldon? Go ahead, Sheldon. If you find out who you are, will you know you found it? You probably won't. <laughs> I, I think you would have, it might not show up as your presumption beforehand of what that would feel like, to realize your true self, your true nature before your parents' birth, your original face. You might have an idea of what that might be really bizarre, or really unusual. Uh, in fact, it would be quite ordinary. And what may be, uh, yes, I think you will know it, but you might, you might be a little, uh, uh, you, might, you might be a little tickled by what it actually is because it's so ordinary and so simple. And at the same time, it has the, the profundity and the vastness there is indescribable. That's why it's called profound and vast. And it is the nature of what's traditionally called maha vipassana or great panoramic awareness. It's, there isn't anything you don't see, but you don't see things in terms of information or objects. You see the fundamental nature of everything, which is what? Not separate. You see, you actually, see, the Buddha nature sees Buddha nature, which is like not seeing anything. Chisho has another question. Chisho. In sitting practice, when I am just trying to receive, there seems to be something to receive, a receiver, and an awareness of the whole process. Where does interruption happen within this structure? You just said it. You, you just described the different aspects. And when you describe that, then those stop being what they are, and they 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 are actually somewhere, but they're down the hall, behind the curtain, uh, under somebody's lunch bucket, because you have the description of it. So the very description you made interrupted what you just described. What you described was, uh, near as I can tell, uh, from what I heard, was accurate. But then to to abandon that for some kind of explanation belies a, an attitude of wanting something else about that. That's not quite enough. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just endeavoring to respond to your question in a way that uh, is clear. Further question about it is certainly uh, appropriate if you have it. Kiyun has another question. Kiyun. He asks, what is it to know you are a fool? You ought to know that, Kiyun. <laughs> okay. I think one of the ways that shows up is to see in contrast, how what others seem to be doing 
grasping, collecting, assuming, uh, judging, evaluating, worrying, fretting, going all around. And uh, when it comes to all that stuff, you're a fool. Further questions uh, there, but I'm not going to get in the way of your inquiry by saying too much. Shoto has a question. Is there identity and consciousness only? Yes. Yeah. Nothing goes away. It's just, uh, just perception only, consciousness only. So identity is there too. There's field mice running around. There's the leaves falling off the tree. There's uh, who was it? Betty's bird. Is it Betty? The bird or Judy's bird? Judy's bird. Yeah, Judy's bird was on uh, today, uh, interrupting my Dharma talk. With its chirps, <laughs> but I did pretty good showing how how I was not irritated by it. You know, didn't bother me. <laughs> like birds, that's why we have an aviary over in the Karma House. I think there's only one bird in there. So again, to be a little bit more specific about that question, there's nothing is separate. It's just it's always what it is. It's just what it is, and it may have names and differences. We don't have to get rid of anything. Don't have to get rid of uh, warfare. Don't just don't go to it. Don't have to get rid of peace fair. Just don't go there. Don't go anywhere. Hold your seat. Watch what moves. If the seat starts moving, uh, don't object. Don't agree. Don't look away. All right, we're at the end of the downhill. We can go ahead and dedicate the merit. You can dedicate the merit. Okay. Puno is going to. You're going to lead. Sure. Okay. Sure. I'll continue to sit here. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. Say something about Michaela. Can you do something? Yeah, you. So I want to, my uh, little uh, granddaughter, McKinley, is still having a lot of trouble with her, her life. <laughs> She's uh, three years old, and... Uh, Keeps going back into the hospital. Her mother reported uh, how she's really freaked out again. She's going back in and having more and more difficulty. So if you uh, are uh, praying for anyone, thinking about anyone, along with our regular, she's included in our regular Maitri Bhavana. So just uh, um, she's uh, on Bree Houston's uh, Facebook page. There's some pictures over on there, but it's been uh, it's been about seven or eight months now they've been going through this and just. She's already had a bone marrow transplant from her brother, but if you could think about her, please. Thank you.